Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you and so I've been teaching on walking in love, and today I'm doing my last session. Our anchor scripture on this, Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God and walk in love. Imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. That is what the scriptures have said to us. How do we imitate God? By walking in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus teaching the disciples in um, um, John 13, 34, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, my true disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my true disciples if you love one another. In the book of um, Romans 13, verse 8, the Bible teaches us that love is the fulfillment of the law. He said, um, Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandments, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 says something very important. It says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love doesn't cause harm. Love doesn't cause harm. And that is why it is the fulfillment of the law. So when you are walking in love, you are all the commandments of Scripture fulfilled in your life. Now, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible teaches us how to practice love in our day-to-day living. And um, it says that if, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, powerful prayers, fantastic tongues with no love is just empty noise. Empty noise. Then the next verse said, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So spirituality, people are very spiritual. They can see into the spirit. They can see angels. They can see everything. They can prophesy. They can say all manner of fantastic spiritual mysteries. But without love, the Bible says that it's fake. It is fake. Then it goes on to verse 3. It says that if... I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have no love, it profits me nothing. So giving without love profits, it profits nothing. Giving without love profits nothing. So God is not only looking at the amount you give, he's looking also at the heart with which you give it. 
God is not looking at the amount you give. He's looking at the heart with which you give it. That is why God will want you to be discerning about the motives behind what people give you before you enjoy it. It's not enough to say, oh, this man is very good. He just gave me a million. (laughs) Why did he give you the million? Because maybe that million is a trap and it will will destroy you. The person is not as good as you, you think he is if you are discerning. Amen? That is why love is not always about what people give you. Sometimes people must love you enough to not give you. How many of you have refused to give certain things to your children even though they wanted it badly? Because you know if this one, if you give it to him, he will, he will die. He will be destroyed. Too much toffees, too much sweets. He said no. Sometimes people must love you enough to say no. So love is not always about making people happy. It's about helping people to be blessed. There's a difference between being blessed and being happy. And sometimes when we go to church, we should understand the reason why we come to church is not so that we'll be happy. It's so that we'll be blessed. And sometimes God will not always make you happy. But you can be assured about one thing. He will, you will always be blessed if you come to his house. You have the right attitude and you have an open heart. You will always be blessed. You will not always be happy, you, but you will always be blessed. May you be blessed. Amen. I said, may you be blessed. Amen. Now, today I want to talk about something we call the love challenge. The love challenge. Now, what do, what do I mean by the love challenge? Because walking in love is actually, actually very difficult. Is it true? Yeah, love, walking in love is very difficult. You approach to relationships. But when you come to Christ, he says love everybody, including your enemies. Walking in love is difficult. If you read, if you read the book of um, 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4, which I said everybody should memorize, how many of you can recite 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4 to 8? 1 Corinthians 13. Are you sure you can recite it very well? At least it's good to make the effort. How many try to learn it? Hallelujah. It says that love is patient. In an NIV, I love the NIV version. I love the NIV version. It says love is patient and is what? Kind. Love does not envy and does not boast and it is not proud. Verse 5 says love is not self-seeking. Sorry, it does not dishonor others. That means not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is difficult. Especially for us who have never experienced it. Now, the whole issue of walking in love is a challenge for many of us. I don't know about you because God is asking us to practice something that we haven't experienced ourselves. God is demanding of us to do something for others that most of the times we haven't, it hasn't been done to us. What I'm trying to say simply is that you cannot give what you don't have. It's easier to give what you have. So if you experience love, it's easy for you to love people because you have a reference point. And so that is why working in love is very difficult. The reason why naturally we are all prone 
to being and loving is because that is what we experience in our real life situations all the time. Some of us, even basic love, like the love of parents, we didn't even have it. There are many people here who can't remember when their father hugged them all their lives. There are many people who can remember when they sat on their father's lap. There are many people who can't remember ever hearing the father or the mother saying, I love you. And the sad thing is most of us are Christians. We still don't do that for our children. We don't tell our children, I love you. And then they come to church, and the Bible is saying, love your neighbor. Growing up right from school, our teachers never showed us real love. Our colleagues in school, every, our whole society is so structured to all, always be self-centered. It's about what's in it for me. And so when we come to church and we begin to read the Bible, one of the things that is very important is for us to understand that when God says walk in love, it is because he himself has given you an example of how he loved you. So the reference point you need to be able to understand how to walk in love is not how your parents related with you. It's not how your siblings related with you. It is not how growing up, how people treated you. It's not even about how your spouse relates with you. Because there are many homes up to today, Christian homes, where you can't see true, genuine love. There is only one reference point for deriving your example of love, and that is God's relationship with you. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, 1 John 4, verse 19, 1 John 4, verse 19, and in the NIV version, I want to read it in the NIV. Can we read it together? Ready, go. He said, we love because he first loved us. All right. So if God is saying, walk in love, it is, he's trying to let you know, I did it for you first. That means Walking in love becomes easy when we understand the love that Christ himself had for us. It becomes easy. Our anchor scripture really says it in Ephesians 5, verse 2. Ephesians 5, 2, it says, walk in New King James. And walk in love as, as what? Christ also has what? Loved us and given himself for us. So this morning, I want you to know Jesus didn't go to the cross to die for fun. He did it out of love. It was painful. It was full of suffering. It was full of pain. It was disgraceful. It was shameful for God himself to reduce himself to the most disgraceful form of death. Because in Jewish um, tradition, crucifixion in the time in Bible days was the most shameful death. Only criminals, like notorious criminals, were killed by crucifixion. That's why Ephesians 2, verse 8 says that and he humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. Even the death, the word even the death on the cross will tell you that death on the cross was 
was, was, a, was, was a humiliating thing. But Jesus humbled himself to die because of love, because he loved you. First John 4, verse... No, before we go to that, let me, let's read um, Romans 5 from 6 to 8. Romans 5, verse 6 to 8. Romans, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, it would have made sense if the Bible had said Jesus died for the godly. Because sometimes it's easy to sacrifice for some good people. What do you think? You have a good friend. Sometimes you can make sacrifices for your good friend. Or your spouse is a very good person. Sometimes you can make sacrifices. Sometimes you can tell your spouse, stand behind, let me, let me die on your place. If, if he's a good spouse. <laughs> but not for a bad one. <laughs> Everybody wants to get rid of a bad spouse. I'm just trying to say, Jesus died for the ungodly. And look at verse 7. For scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. Is it true? How many of you will say, oh, this, man, oh, this person is a very good person? So I'll die for him. No, I'll sacrifice everything for a good person to my, to my last money, my last everything, but not my life. Hey, it's hard though. One day, a lady asked the husband, do you love me? He said, oh, I love you very much. Will you die for me? The man said, I'm praying you, you, you death will not, that will not happen. If I'm just about to die, if death is coming, are you ready to take it in my place? He said, I'm praying death will not come. But it's even one thing to say, yes, so I'll die for you. But it's another thing if you can really do it. It's another thing if you can really do it. Even for a good person. How many of you can do that? But the Bible says that scarcely for a righteous man will wonder. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. Perhaps. Once in a while. One hero who wants to make a name will sacrifice and try something. But then verse 8 said, but God demonstrate his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what made the story of the cross very interesting is that Jesus did not die for you when you are righteous. Today, some of, many of you brag about how holy you are, how righteous you are, and that the reason why God should bless you, but he did not die for you when you were holy. He died when we were ungodly. Sometimes I think about it that so all the time I was living in the world doing all the very ungodly and shameful things, he still loved me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been saved. Oh, some of us have done some of the worst things. There are things I've done I don't want to talk about it. You know, sometimes I hear people bragging about what they did when they were not. I said, really? Why should you be proud of the things you did? In the world, if you really understand what salvation is. But the, the wonderful thing is, he loved us. Even then, in the club, he was looking at us and said, that's my child. Amen. You were in the hospital, aborting children. And he was looking at you. I said, that's my child. That's my child. I love him. I'll still use him. All the wickedness, all the evil things, all the ungodliness, running from one shrine to another, doing all manner of things. He did not love me when I became like this. He loved me when I was a very notorious, worldly, deeply worldly person, an ungodly person. He loved me. That must be real love. Now, when you understand it that way, that he didn't love me when I was perfect, he loved me when I was imperfect, then you can look at somebody who is not perfect and love the person. Then you cannot wait for somebody to be perfect before you love him or her. 
you can love people as they are. Because when people become perfect, they don't deserve love. True love is not manifest when people are perfect. 1 John 4, verse 9. 1 John 4, verse 9. It said, in this, the love of God was manifested. The word, anytime I see the word manifest, it means displayed. It wasn't, it wasn't hidden. He expressed it. He displayed it. Hallelujah. In this love, God was manifested to us that God has sent his only, what? Begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is the love of God. And then look at verse 10. He says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You, can, you could never have loved God if he didn't love you first. And most of the time, what you claim to be love you have for God is nothing compared to the love he has for you. Because you say you love God, even if he reigns, you can't come to church to worship him. <laughs> you say you love God, pay, giving him your tent is a, is a fight between you and him. You say you love him, you can't sacrifice anything for him. You can't let go of certain things for his sake, or for the sake of God, I let go. You can't do that. And you say you love him. You don't. You don't. And he's not even interested in you loving him. He just wants you to know that he, he loves you. Amen? Even if you walk away on him today, he still loves you. And his love is not conditional. It doesn't fade. It doesn't stop. It's constant. This is love. Not that we love God. So stop bragging about how you love God. Stop. Stop. Don't never do that from today. Never open your mouth. Stand boldly for God. You know, you know how I love you. You know how I, I love you. So bless me. No. Don't do that. He doesn't need you to love him before he blessed you. He loved you when you didn't have an idea. You didn't have a clue that he existed. He loved you when you hated him so much. How many of you have seen people going to church? You insulted them. I remember those days I was an unbeliever and I was, I was going for holiday classes, I was a student, and then I, we passed through, you know, I was staying in the barracks uh, in Teshi, and uh, we, we come to holiday classes in a secondary school, Presbyterian secondary school in the, um, by the seaside in the Teshi township there. And then we're walking through some place, and there was some people praying in tongues. And I said, what is all this? What is all this foolishness? How can people be here at this time of the day doing this? I just insulted them and insulted them. I didn't even know what I was talking about. Maybe those people, their prayer even was part of what helped me to be saved. I don't know. <laughs> he loved you. He loved you. Yeah, First John 3 verse 1, he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. You know that some of us, we don't deserve to be called children of God. If God wants to really judge character and behavior, I don't know about you. In the month of May, I went to my former school for anniversary, and I met one of my teachers. He's in his 70s, and uh, he said, Hubert! I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I hear you are now a reverend. I said, yes. Hey, I want to see your congregation members. And I know what he was saying. I know what he was talking about. I know what he was talking about. I know what he was talking about. Because when I was in secondary school, I mean, in my year group, in my class, my, my age, I mean, there's no evil thing that will happen that 
you cannot hear my, you will not hear my name. I was not one of the best behaved students in my school. I was not one of the best behaved with a good character. But guess what? Here am I going back to my former school with a lot of my colleagues, and Jesus has changed my life. And he didn't only change my, he blessed me so I can go there boldly with respect. I mean, I'm so respected by my year group. I mean, I was very brilliant, but notorious. <laughs> All of us here, if God wants to judge behavior and character, some of us, even right now, our character doesn't fit. But you know what? He doesn't care about that. Can I say it again? He doesn't care about your character and my character. You can say what you like about me. He doesn't care. He just loved you. Despite all the bad things they say about you, he loves you. With the same amount of love he would have given you if you were perfect, he still loves you the same amount right now. Isn't that wonderful? I like the NIV verse. He said, he has lavished love on us. Do you understand what it means to lavish something? To give it to you in excess, like to spoil you. The one we say, they pampered the child, like, they are pampering him and they are sporting. Hmm? It's pampering, oh. What God that does for us is pampering, isn't it? That's why it's good to pamper people sometimes. Because he did the same for you. What manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we, we, we should be called what? Children of God. Do you know why John said that? Because in the Old Testament, under all the people related with the Israelites, God never called them my children. That is why when Jesus came, one day he called himself the son of God. They took up stones to stone him. It's in John chapter 5. I think, um, can I look for that scripture for me? I think verse 21 there about, or 21, 25. They took up stones to stone him because they said, you are calling yourself. The Jews see God too holy to call him a father. The Jews, they saw God too holy to call him a father. And then we, you know, Jesus, if you are praying, praying, saying what? Our father. So he, he did that. Now, what manner of love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God? And that is what we are. That is what we are. Some put a right hand on your chest and say, that is what I am. I am a child of God. Say it with faith and confidence. I am a child of God. It doesn't matter what somebody thinks about it. I am a child of God. It doesn't matter what the devil says about it. I am a child of God. It doesn't matter my lifestyle. I am a child of God. God loves me as I am. God loves me as I am. Now, if you meditate very well on God's love for you, you become very confident. You will never go around looking for somebody else to love you. Because the ruler of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the almighty God, had enough time to focus on you. How many of you know that many people don't know you? Like the president of America, he doesn't know you. He doesn't know that anybody exists by the name Henry. Okay, America is too far. How many of you here, Akufuado doesn't know you? No, no, Kufado. How many, how many you, he can look at you and call you by name? Anybody? Some of you, 
It's not only Akufado who doesn't know you. Even the MP of this our area, Tema West, he doesn't know you. The MC of Tema West doesn't know you. So even the chief, Klagon chief doesn't know you. Now, how many of you know if the president of America knows you, it will make a difference in your life? Oh, look, we all the insult we, you are insulting Akufado. If he knows you personally, eh? it will change something. <laughs> True of us. Ah, if he knows you personally, that you can take your phone and call, Nana, and say, <laughs> oh, my friend, it will change something in your life. So who knows you is important, isn't it? But many of us, nobody knows us. But guess what? The Almighty God. The ruler of the universe. The creator of heaven and earth. The Almighty God. With all the details of running the universe. When I say the universe, I'm not talking about the earth alone. No. The whole universe. He still has time to narrow down on you as an individual. And say, even the number of hairs on your head, I know the number. That makes you, you are not an ordinary person. So, it is a, an extravagant expression of love towards us. And if you understand the sacrifice and the pain Jesus had to go through to love you, it becomes easy for you to now love people because you know he loves you. First John 3 16, rather. First John 3, 16. He said, by this, we know love. How do we know love? Talk to me. How do we know love? Because he laid down his life for us. What should we do in response? We also ought to lives for our brethren. The same way he loved us, sacrificially, we love others sacrificially. Love is not a convenient thing. Anytime you start talking about God's love for everyone, how many of you believe now God loves you? Let me see. Let me see. Yeah. It's very important. Never forget it. Keep saying it every day. He loves me. Amen? It makes the difference. Do you know why he heals you? Because he loves you. Do you know why he protects you? Because he loves you. Do you know why he blesses you? Because he loves you. Do you know why he prospers you? Because he loves you. That is why he delivers you from evil every day. Because when you are sleeping, he's not sleeping. He said, he that watches over Israel doesn't sleep nor slumber. Why? Because he loves you too much to go to sleep so the enemy can touch you. But people always ask this important question, and I believe you, you may be asking that question. Or if you don't ask it, the devil asks that question a lot. You know the question? The question is, if God loves me so much, why do I still have problems? Have you ever thought of that? Pastor, he said, God loves me. My rent is not paid. He said, God loves me. I'm still sick. I'm struggling to get healing. Pastor, he said, God loves me. My school fees has not been paid. How many of you look forward to a day when you just wake up and you don't have any problem? Freedom! How many under? I always long for that. I'm sorry, there's no day like that. Except the day you die. The day you wake up and there's no problem, it means you have died. <laughs> and then you appear in heaven, you be with Jesus, and hooray, no more problems. 
But as you are here on earth, God loves you so much, and yet you will have problems. And the reason is three things. I want to say that to you is very important. It will help you and it will help others through as you explain to them. Three reasons why we have problems. I think four. Even it says, number one, problems are in our lives so that God can reveal his power in our lives. Number two, problems are in our lives so that he can make your life a testimony. The only people whose lives can become a testimony are the people who have problems. There is no testimony without a problem. Number three, so that you can become mature and disciplined. Number four, so that he can use you to encourage others. John chapter 9, verse 1. Let's answer the first question. The first one is what? So that he can reveal his power through you. Now Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. Uh And his disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Amen. So in the tradition of Israel, which is still with us today, when you go through problems, they say, oh, number one, either you don't have faith. Number two, either you are not living right. Eh? But my Bible tells me that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Hmm? Yeah, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So when you see people rejoicing, dancing, and praising God, and it's important to dance and praise God and be happy. Amen? But don't, mis- don't, don't mistake to think they don't, don't have problems. Every one of us here, we have problems. Sometimes the most excited people have bigger problems. Sometimes the problem becomes so big, you just have to ignore it and be happy. Because your sadness won't change the problem. Only God can change it. So they asked Jesus, who really sinned? Who sinned caused this problem? Jesus said, nobody sinned. There's only one reason. So that the works of God, hmm? so that what? The works of God should be revealed in him. So that the power of God will manifest in the guy's life. You see, when you meet anybody who is confident in the Lord, you see, when you meet people like Apostle Paul, they say, I am fully persuaded. None of these things move me. It's because they have seen God's power. Not in us, it is in the Bible, but in their own lives. How many of you want to see some crazy manifestation of God mighty work in your life? Uh-huh. It, is, it will happen through the problems you have now. The Bible is not true if only what we read doesn't happen in our lives. Then the Bible is not true. The Bible is true because what we read in the Bible is still happening in our lives. For instance, the story of Sarah becoming pregnant at 90 is not something we would doubt in this church because people have been married for 16 years. Then IVF, it failed. But now they have children. So, problems will come every day, but it is so that God's power will manifest. So the presence of problem in your life does not mean God doesn't love you. He truly loves you. And he will turn that problem around. I said he will turn that problem around. I said he's turning that situation around. In the name of Jesus. Number two reason is what? So that he can make our life a testimony. Amen. John 11 verse 1. John 11 verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her Sister Martha, uh-huh. it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, 
Look at this. What did they say to Jesus? Lord, behold, he whom you love is what? Sick. So he loves you, but you can be sick. I said, he loves you, but you can fall sick. But look at Jesus' response. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but what? For the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He said, the Son of God is going to be glorified through this sickness. So the problem you have, God is going to get some glory through it. This sickness is not unto death. In other words, I love this guy. This problem won't kill him. He will come out. So God's love doesn't prevent the problem, but his love prevents the problem from destroying you. His love prevents the problem from being permanent in your life. And this morning I'm going to tell you your problem is not permanent. And it will not destroy you. It will bring glory to God. Number three, God allows problems in our lives so that we can become mature and disciplined. I have only one minute. Hebrews 12 verse 5 says that, and you have forgotten the association which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And what does it mean to chasten? To discipline. Nothing disciplines people like problems. True or not? Problems will make you prayerful. Oh, pastor, I'm not good at praying. Don't worry. Keep, keep living. <laughs> One of these days, something will hit you. Then you see how prayerful you can become. Problem will make you fast. Pastor, as for fasting, it's not my area. Don't worry. It will soon be your area. <laughs> Problems makes us smart. Do you know that? Suffering. You know, sometimes suffering can just make you matured at the age of 20. Problems. There are things when you go through it, by the time you come out, you are not just academically intelligent. You become socially prudent. <laughs> so God allows problems in our lives so that we can become disciplined. We can become matured. Some of us, the best qualities we display today, we got it through some of the worst treatments we went through things people did to us, things we went through, problems we went through, difficulties and everything. This without food, you learn to be tough. You know, when you meet people who are not tough. And God knows the plan he has for you. He knows why he's taking you. Some of you, you, you can't handle certain things because you are not tough. Every little thing you are crying. Every little thing you are calling mama. Everything you are saying, you know. You think the world is party every day. But you need to be tough because the world out there is not as friendly as you think. The world out there, God wants to lift you up, but you have to know how to survive, how to be tough. You have to be a great beast, a multi-billion, a multi-billionaire. You have to be tough. So he will allow circumstances to, to come against you and confront you and, and you are complaining, but God is saying, you need this. You need this. Sometimes when people lie against you, you need it. When people disappoint you, you need it. Sometimes the best people you ever come across are bad people. Let's, let's do the last one. Fourth reason why we go through problems is so that we can encourage others. If you see anybody who looks down on the poor, he's not been poor before. If you see someone who doesn't feel for people who are suffering, the person has not suffered before. Most of the people who support 
orphans a lot. They themselves were orphans that God took, prospered, and blessed. One of them is Dr. Otaba. By the age of 14, both parents were dead. You have no idea how much support that man gives to orphanages all over the world. So I'm closing. God loves you, and he wants you to extend that love to your neighbor. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.